Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly, on 77 WABC, the crown jewel of American radio. Welcome. It is another Monday afternoon. So here we are with Bo Snerdly's Rush Hour. If you'd like to be part of the program this afternoon, 800-848-WABC is the number to call, 800 848 9222. And as always, we are overflowing with news. I must tell you today, I am so, I have been, you know, doing this now, um, and we've been here with you for almost a full year on the afternoon rush hour. It'll be pretty soon. But uh, almost two years when we started the Saturday show here. And by the way, that Saturday show has turned into so much fun. And we are all having a ball with it. This Saturday, we introduced a segment on the Saturday show. Halfway through is the morning dance. And it is participatory. Everybody in the in the studio has to participate. Everybody in the audience, we ask to participate as we do our Saturday morning dance. A lot of fun. But occasionally, you know, in the years and years that I worked with Rush, I used to hear him say once in a while, there would be days where he'd come in and say, I am so distracted today. And it was he was doing his show prep as normal. I was like, what are you distracted? You look like a normal. I get it now. Because today has been one of those days where I have just been distracted with so many other things going on in life. Ah, you know, you 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 learn, you get older, you understand. I get it. So let us do our best, though, distracted or not, to keep up with some of the top stories later in the program. Doctor Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation will be joining us. Those of you regular listeners know that every three four weeks we have Doctor Roberts on. We have an ongoing relationship with the Heritage Foundation. That relationship is to help keep you informed of what Heritage is doing. And Heritage, of course, the most well-known think tank in America. And Heritage, the new Heritage, isn't just about white papers and this elite stuff that most people in the grassroots will never understand. It's actually about working through, they have two, Heritage Action does a lot of the political work, but a lot of the nonprofit work that Heritage does, being involved for change and working for change. So today we will speak with Dr. Kevin Roberts again, and I'm very proud of the relationship that we're developing with Heritage. There's a big story today about uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and this story goes to what it is to be woke. 
and that we can call it the price of wokeness. You know, over the weekend, Vice President Mike Pence, and, I, and, and those of you, who again, who listen to this show regularly know that I have a lot of respect for Vice President Mike Pence. And Mike Pence and I have had a wonderful relationship. We've gotten to know each other a little bit. And I have a lot of respect for him. But this weekend, Mike Pence said that he doesn't know or that he would go as far as Ron DeSantis went in dealing with Disney. And boy, on social media, people took that one to the bank. But today shows you what happens when a governor is actually unafraid of his own shadow. Disney... The story in the New York Post version of it, Disney official has a, officially has a new sheriff in town. After Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill Monday that placed the House, the Mouse House Special Tax District under state control. The Republican-backed bill rebrands Disney's self-governed Reedy Creek Improvement District as the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District. Ron DeSantis said today the corporate kingdom finally comes to an end. There's a new sheriff in town, and accountability will be the order of the day. Now, Disney, for many years, was and still, I believe, remains to be that state, Florida's largest employer. And as such, they have a lot of political power. They tried to muscle the governor when employees of Disney, as you all know, misnamed a bill that is part of Florida's law now. And, of course, it is still referred to by that erroneous name, the Don't Say Gay Bill. And today there's also a story, an excerpt from Governor DeSantis' book, where he says that the then-CEO, Bob Tepic, complained privately to him about the woke culture over at Disney and that he felt he was being pressured into acting. He had wanted to, he tried to remain on the sidelines of this, but the pressure, he said, was like anything, nothing he had ever faced before. So Disney picked a fight with the state of Florida. And being the state's largest employer, a lot of weak-kneed Republicans, and there are plenty, there are many spineless Republicans, and many of them would have caved. They would have said, oh, that's it. The biggest employer is complaining. Yes, sir, yes, sir, two bags full. Let me bend over, grab the ankles, and whatever you want, you got it. Not Ron DeSantis. He went toe-to-toe. And the lies are still there, even in the post story today. Don't say gay, don't say gay. And so for the 1,000th time, there is never a mention of don't say gay in the bill that the mainstream Democrat media and opponents of it are calling don't say gay. It should be don't sexualize kids. That's the name of the bill, don't sexualize children. Because matters whether you're heterosexual or whether you believe in same-sex sex or or participate in it, nothing stops you from talking about these matters outside of school. 
But in schools, with young children especially, and in some cases we're talking about five, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, keep the sex out of it. Let their parents talk to them about sex. It's that simple. Don't come here and try to indoctrinate kids into whatever your sexual lifestyle is, whether it's a heterosexual lifestyle or not. It's not the place for it. And if you look at right now, there is a video that I saw this weekend of a young kid reading from one of these books that is in, this isn't in Florida, but that's placed in the school. It's straight up pornography. And why is it in there? Why do people have a problem with the governor of a state saying, look, we, and, and the legislature here, we decided that we don't want these adults in classrooms trying to instruct kids into sexual matters while they're so young. Now, they will object to that. They'll call it bigoted. But yet when you read, when you see children or read or you have adults reading from these books, and it's nothing but straight-up instruction manuals in how to perform gay sex or how to perform heterosexual sex, and in some cases... As I said, we can't even use the terms on this show. We have not been able to define for you the terms that are used in some of these books on the show out of fear that some of you would be, and and it's not fear, out of taste, out of good taste, that some of you, some of you would be righteously offended by what you hear. Some of these acts, you know, if you're a consenting adult, that's okay, but, you know, Keep it to yourself. So those are some of the issues that were surrounding this legislation. And now, of course, the lies on about Governor DeSantis have been exponentially increased over black history. You had Andrea Mitchell from PMSNBC saying that he wanted to erase the idea of slavery discussions in Florida, which is a blatant lie. And she's yet to apologize for it. NBC, the the corporate ownership of NBC, has not seen fit to interfere and actually tell their journalists, hey, be a good journalist and apologize for things you get wrong under our banner. And you can bet if you got something wrong about a major leftist figure and it was that egregiously wrong and you worked for let's say oh a radio station and they started to put a little pressure on it you bet they'd get an apology so today thank you to Ron DeSantis standing up for what was right and not backing down from the corporate pressures of one of the most powerful companies in America, they have had their power stripped. They are no longer in charge of themselves, no longer allowed to police themselves, no longer allowed to make rules for themselves in a large swath of real estate that they purchased in the state of Florida. And this is what Republican leader, this is what American leadership looks like. In particular, this is what it looks like when you don't have a spineless, toad, rhino Republican 
This is what a stand-up Republican will do. And they are rare. So celebrate today. Story out of Chicago today. This might come as some surprise to some of you. Not me. And of all places, Cook County, Chicago. Inmates in Cook County, Chicago jail say that they are being pressured to vote illegally in the mayoral election. Now, the criminals are now protesting. When you get criminals saying, hey, voting illegally is a felony, and I don't want another felony, Democrats are trying to make me commit another felony while I'm in jail by voting in the mayor's race. One inmate who dared not reveal his identity told the Daily Mail, the guards don't seem to care that they might be breaking the law demanding inmates vote a certain way. One inmate who spoke under condition of having his identity sealed off said he asked the guard did you ask people first if they're registered to vote the guard said no i didn't ask him if they're registered to vote and the inmate the inmate the criminal in jail in cook county chicago the inmate said but you should ask because if i'm registered to vote somewhere else like i am you're asking me and enticing me to vote even though I'm, a reg- I'm registered somewhere else, and that's a felony. I can't be voting in two different jurisdictions. And another guard who pressured the same inmate told him, hey, look, we're just doing what we've been told to do. Will there be an investigation into what's going on in Cook County? Let us quiz the staff. I always love this. Okay. Why, staff members, is Cook County important in American political history? Matthew, you are up first. Um, I have no idea. Uh, I have no even, I don't even know where to begin to guess. Um, Cook okay. County. Huh. Have any, American does, politics. This does not have anything to do with the Blues Brothers movies either. It doesn't. Okay. Uh, no. that was probably my first guess there. I have no idea, James. Avery, let us see, my friend. Your turn up, Avery. Why does Cook County hold particular significance in American political history. Well, I know um, I, Kelsey Grammer was on a show called Boss on Stars, and he was a corrupt uh, mayor of, of um, Chicago. And he used to say, if you got Cook County, that's all you need. So I'm assuming that Cook County is the biggest county, and if you own Cook County, then you own the race. Okay, that goes for a partial yes. Partial that goes for a partial. You got it. Because you watch Kelsey Grammer in the bus. Scott? Wasn't there corruption during the Kennedy election in Cook County? Aha. Scott comes nearest. It wasn't wasn't there corruption. 
This is an undisputed part of American history, my friends. For those of you who don't, who, who, who bleep people out when they're talking about certain voting machines, for those of you, when you hear the words election deniers, get all nervous and want to wet your pants, this is a part of American history. Two o'clock in the morning. Cook County decided the 1960 presidential election. After Richard Daly and the Richard Daly machine responding to a call from Joe Kennedy, that would be the father of John Fitzgerald Kennedy, found the vote in the middle of the night. And I mean found the vote, manufactured the votes to have him elected president. That is political history in America. That's my public school education failing me yet again there, James. There you go. There you go. Boston Early's Rush Hour will come back right after this. Don't go away. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Entertaining and informative. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, is on the air. 77 WABC. WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York, the crown jewel of American radio. You're listening to Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. Robin Thicke brings us back in. I got a text message from America's small caffeinated mom, Rhonda Schrock, during the break. She says, I wonder what John Kennedy's mother thought about that cheating. Maybe she didn't care. I used to pray that if the boys were doing things they shouldn't be doing, she has four sons, that they get caught and quick. Stinkers do not want a praying mom. Well, funny you should ask about old Rose Kennedy there, Mama Rosie. Um, Rose Kennedy, Avery, you'll like this. John Joe Kennedy was like player supreme before they were players in American history. Joe Kennedy was so brazen that he had his mistress live in a separate house on in the Kennedy compound. Sound like some, does that, Avery, does that sound like a Mr. Player to you? Yeah, man, you, you got to have real game if you're going to do that. I mean, just to, to feel like to feel like you can do it, I admire you. And not, if, even if you don't go through with it, I admire you. But to actually go through with it, you you in a special club with a special room, man. <laughs> yeah, that was Joe Kennedy, all right. Special club, special room. 
Uh, Joe Kennedy also, I mean, a lot of people don't know about the Kennedy family history. You know, America was, was the Kennedys were America's political dynasty. And liberals love, love the Kennedys. You still get all the adoration for Jackie uh, Kennedy and John Kennedy. That's not what you can do for your country. That's what your country can do for you. Of course, that's the more Soviet-sounding version of it. But nonetheless, meanwhile, Joe was, this is not, this is, do you know that he lobotomized one of his own daughters? This is true stuff. If you go through the history, and by the way, okay, another staff quiz. How did Joe Kennedy make us his fortune? Uh, I'm going to say, uh, I don't know, turning potatoes into whiskey. Partially right. Okay, wow. Look, this is going off and being Irish. Okay. Avery, how did Joe Kennedy make the dough? Oh come on! He, he made it illegally. Um, uh, running running um alcohol across the boom, border. boom. He gets it. Boom. Joe Kennedy was during prohibition, bringing in all kind of uh, alcoholic beverages, adult beverages against the law, and celebrated. He's an American hero. Uh, and by the way, let us not forget Joe Kennedy's uh pro-Nazi positions when he was serving as the ambassador to the St. James Court. He was also so fervently pro-Nazi that FDR had to bring him back home. The Kennedys have an interesting past. That's all I will say about that. COVID is in the news. The Daily BS has an exclusive story today. TheDailyBS.com, my website. Uh, Hours before the Army dropped COVID-19 rules, GOP representatives pressured, pressured top officials. They wanted answers about the COVID mandates. So rather than just say, okay, here are the answers, here's the history, the the, the military decided, oh, no more COVID rules. No more COVID rules. We'll just get rid of the COVID rules. So that was part of uh, that little history. Also, there were increasing answers. There were uh, increasing pressure being brought in Congress for Dr. Fauci to testify. Representatives on the Republican side have had it. They want to know where COVID came from. There is a report now that indicates the leak from the Wuhan lab was a real thing. And people are demanding answers and answers now. So we shall see where all of this goes. We will be following it very, very closely. We may, ladies and gentlemen, the long blackout on the news about the origins of COVID and also Dr. Fauci's role, among others, in spreading certain informations about COVID may be coming to an end. We shall see. James Golden, a.k.a. Snurder, we're coming back. Dr. Kevin Roberts, Heritage Foundation, will join us when we get back. Don't go. And your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800 800- 
848-9222. Don't go away. Soul of Excellence, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, on 77 WABC. WABC 29, featuring Lenny White, brings us back. Shout out to the Queen's homies. Barry Johnson. Lead vocalist here, Don Blackman, Val Burke, Betta. We have on the line with us, Dr. Kevin Roberts, Heritage Foundation. Dr. Roberts, how are you this afternoon? James, my friend, I'm doing great here in the Imperial City of D.C. Thanks for having me. You know, Doctor, about 35, 40 minutes up the road from you, up the uh, up the parkway there, up the Baltimore-Washington Parkway, if you go further enough into the city of Baltimore, they had a test recently. 2,000 students were tested to see how they were performing in math. Of those 2,000 students that were tested, Dr. Roberts, not one, not one could perform math on grade level. Not one. In New York City, there are over 242 right now, schools that are failing and that have been failing for years. They continue to fail. We have seen uh, no pres- no childs behind, left behind, and all the other programs that have come out of D.C. We've seen all the money that has come out of D.C., supposedly for education. We saw all the COVID money that came out, and the schools are still failing. Right now, I cannot believe it, but the Democrat governor of New York wants a change. She wants to bring the Democrat governor, wants to allow more charter schools in New York City. And she is being hammered by politicians, including some of her own party, who send their children to private schools because they so dislike what is going on in public schools. The Arizona governor, first thing that she did, Katie Hobbs, one of the first pieces of legislation she moved or tried to move was to stop the growth of charter schools and repeal them has repealed many of the provisions regarding uh, 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 charter schools in Arizona. This is a new battlefield, and I want to get your take on what, what Heritage believes and what should happen. Well, first of all, we must acknowledge the evil, the, the travesty, that three, four decades of radical leftist opposition to innovation and in education has produced. And I don't say that lightly, James, as you know. I, I run a think tank. We always want to base our commentary in facts. But it's a hard fact coming from this fifth generation educator that the most noble 
of this noble experiment known as America, which is our public schools, we're failing at. And it's noble because of the pluralism of America, all of the diversity. You and I have talked about that in previous visits. And, and what we're doing in spite of all of the sacrifices of generations of Americans of all kinds of backgrounds is because of the intransigence of the radical left. They are stopping innovation in schools. So what Heritage wants to do to change that is universal school choice. It is our objective, James, that every single dollar that is allocated by Congress, by state legislatures, by local school boards for education, follow every single child to the school of their parents' choice. And I'm happy to report that we're making some progress there. And I'm also very pleased to hear that your Democrat governor in New York has the political courage. And, and let's just be really, really plain about it. That is political courage as a Democrat right now to be saying that we want these public charters to come in because she's recognizing that this is not just an educational problem. This is one that for two generations, because of the inability of so many American kids to be at grade level in math and reading and science, is going to have social and cultural repercussions. So we have to fix this now in order to limit the damage to society 25 and 50 years from now. That is not an exaggeration, as you know. It is, unfortunately, the reality we're facing, and it's why Heritage, more than all of the policy issues we're working on, cares so deeply about school reform. What happens... First, let me just ask this question, because you are you, you a fifth-generation educator. When children do not receive the education that they are promised by America, you will be educated. What happens to those children? Well, sociologists call this the success sequence. And the first step in the success sequence is to graduate from high school. The All of the data for every ethnic group in this country is that if a child does not graduate from high school, their chances of being successful by every measure, economic, social, basically is, is 10 or 15%. And then secondly, let's say they do graduate from high school but they don't have the they're not at grade level and that's that's happening to millions of kids then they may get into college they may not do well in college and so then they're going to rack up a whole bunch of of debt that they're not going to be able to repay because they don't have the hard skills they they're not necessarily dumb people obviously they're just we have failed them in the classroom they're going to be in jobs that where they can't perform and especially for men, James, this is true for both men and women, but this is a crisis right now for men. When they get into that situation, it turns into the most horrible of our, of our social crises. And so what I'm trying to do here is connect the dots between what we know is going on, which is a, a mental health crisis among a lot of Americans, but especially ironically for men under the age of 40, the educational attainment or lack thereof brought on by the status quo thinking is absolutely the foundation of that problem. And that problem manifests itself in all kind of ways. Every time we have one of these mass shootings in America and we start profiling and we say, okay, these, something is going on with America's 
primarily young men, and we don't understand it, and we don't understand it. Well, many of these young men, um, you said, right, based in statistics, look at the profiles. They are not achieving in school. They feel isolated. They feel left out. And this is becoming an increasing problem. And now men are not going to college as much. In a complete reversal, male enrollment in higher education has dropped significantly. It has. In fact, I, this this particular academic year for uh, colleges, I think men are just barely above 40% of college students. And, and obviously nothing against the, the women who, who compose the 60%. It's just that we know society is 50-50, and we know that it is not good when it comes to professional skills, to the, the intrinsic worth of knowledge, but also the intrinsic dignity that each of us has when we, when we are, are attaining education, attaining you know, good work. That has become a crisis for men in this country, and, and the, the problem with all of these statistics that we have cited about the lack of innovation in education is that it isn't just in that particular grade. This is something, unfortunately, that is saddling American kids for the rest of their lifetimes. And let me go back to New York for a moment. Former Governor David Patterson, who is by no means a conservative at all, is backing and applauding Governor Hochul for wanting uh, to have more charter schools. Governor Pataki, Governor Pataki is saying it is absolutely racist for Democrat elected officials to block the expansion of publicly funded, privately managed alternative schools. Now, I want to just parlay that and ask you another question, and this this is a little bit different than charter schools. I, when I was coming up in Queens, New York, number one, if you presented yourself in school as a troublemaker, they took you out of that school and put you in another school that was specifically designed to handle bad attitude kids. We used to nickname them, we called them 600 schools. And they had a lot of male teachers in there that just are not going to stand around for guff. But also, New York used to have vocational schools. They used to acknowledge that everybody is not going to have academic success. So if you had a person that could work with their hands, if you had a person that was more interested, their own interest and passion wasn't necessarily in academic achievement, but they had potential to become great at other things, there was an acknowledgement that there are there's a place for you. Are those things old-fashioned? You're an educator. What, what is wrong with us that we can't seem to get this education thing right for so many kids? Well, you're, I mean, you put your, your thumb right on it, James, for 25 to 35 years the most influential education policy leaders have actually denigrated vocational education. And you asked about my perspective. I'm not only a fifth-generation educator, but, but I'm a liberal arts guy. You know, I, I founded a K-12 great book school in a, in a college that's a liberal arts college. But at both places, even though that sounds like a lot of book learning, and, and, it, and it is, we always had that component of working with our hands for two reasons. The first is – 
every single one of us, you know, whether someone's going to be a white collar worker or not, we, we also have a, a real intrinsic worth to working with our hands. It's why I'd still change the oil on my Ford truck myself. But the second thing is, to your point, there are a lot of students, men and women, who are perfectly smart, very driven, but it is not their domain to go succeed in four years of, of traditional college education. And for most of this country's history, we did an excellent job of allowing students to make that choice. Obviously, we believe in freedom in this country. We're not going to attract students into one or the other like, say, France does. This is the point. Up until recently, up until about five or ten years ago, we basically eliminated vocational education for American students. The good news is that in a lot of states, places like Florida and Wyoming and Texas and many others, you're seeing a revitalization of those vocational schools with the messaging, and this is really important, that you're not less important, you're not less smart, you're not less of a hard worker. In fact, quite the opposite. If you go to these vocational schools, we need you. And let me just make one more connection between two dots that seem unrelated. That last point about needing these students and that work, and American national security. We hope, of course, that we never have to be in another war, but it seems more and more likely we're going to be in some kind of quasi-conflict with the Chinese Communist Party. Mm-hmm. Where, are the Ameri- where are the Americans who are trained to be factory workers? And, and you know well, your audience does. You can make six figures being a factory worker, and there's great dignity in that work. We have to get back to that as a people. It's not just an educational problem, but it's a social problem that has national security implications as well. Where can people find you, Dr. Roberts? Where can they help Heritage do this great work that Heritage is doing? The new Heritage folks, they're not stuffed shirts anymore. This is real to the core for America's survival. Where can people reach you? Heritage.org, and you are totally right. We are pulling up our sleeves and getting to work, and I can tell you there's a lot of policy progress around the country. You can track it at Heritage.org. Dr. Roberts, thank you so much. We appreciate you as always, and we'll look forward to the next visit from you. Thanks, James. Take care. WABC Talk Radio 77. Your call is coming up on Boston Early's Rush Hour. Do not go away. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Welcome to the golden age of radio. James Golden, a.k.a. Bose Nerdly, is on 77 WABC. WABC. Talk Radio 77 in New York. In our remaining moments, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do rapid phones. So that means when you do get on, write to... Right to your point. You can condense it. Give us your bullet points. Give us your talking points. 
the sultry sound of Will Downing on WABC. Hey there, lonely girl, lonely girl, let me make your broken heart light. go to the telephones in the Hamptons we start with Tim you're on Boston Early's Rush Hour Tim how are you fine James how about you good thank you James I gotta tell you you're the breath of fresh air for me every day common sense thank you so much I'm 75 years old I'm a Vietnam vet I was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam and I was the poster child for dyslexia when I went to school and I learned how to work with my hands, and I have to say to your conversation today, there are young men out there, I've seen them, they go into the trades, become electricians, plumbers, 40-plus dollars an hour benefits, and some of them go on to be uh, foremans on crews. There's nothing wrong with working with your hands. I have a college education now, but I still know how to work with my hands. God bless you. Amen. And, you know, my dad, uh, up until the day he died, kept trying to further his education. But he was also one of those guys. He could build things out of nothing, out of scraps, and he could build stuff. It's just the most amazing thing when you unleash that part of your brain. Tim, thank you. God bless you. And thank you for your service to this nation, Tim. We love you. Thank you. Bill in Long Island. How are you, Bill? Hey, what's up, Bill? I'm good. What's going on? Not much. Listen, Bo, as a retired corrections officer here in New York State, I just took a little offense referring to the guys in Cook County as guards. Oh, okay. Corrections officers were, were professional law enforcement officers. It's bad enough that Democrats don't give us our due. A guy like you, I know you respect law enforcement. Uh, the term I guard do. is just defensive to us. I didn't realize that the term guard had become offensive, so I apologize. And I'll be happy to use corrections officers. So, And I'm glad, and thank you, and thank you, Bill, for your service, too. I appreciate that. Carolyn in New Jersey, how are you, Carolyn? Oh, hi. Uh, I'm great. It's an honor to speak with you. My I honor. I actually was called because, because I've been, I read a book called The Sins of the Father, and it really explains a lot about Joe Kennedy. And one area, he was the first chairman of the Security and Exchanges Commission because he knew how to manipulate the market. And because he knew that, they thought he would be a good person to actually be able to get people that were going to do that. You are so right. I read biographies of him and said the thinking was, and again, it was the same FDR that removed him from the ambassadorship to the St. James Court, that they could not think of a better person to oversee securities because he knew all the dirty tricks and he knew how to stop them and knew which holes to plug up in that. So absolutely right. Thank you so much for the call, Bobby, in Manhattan. You're up. Hello. Listen, you're leaving off a lot of things about Fauci. Fauci used to go to that lab in China and Wuhan until they kicked him out in 2000 sometime, and they never let him back in because he was complaining about all their 
all the stuff that was wrong with the place. Bad seals on doors, all kinds of things was wrong. And they threw him out and they never let him back in. And he kept funding that place. And well, let me tell you something. The days of this being in the dark are almost over. We are going to get to the truth. And speaking of the truth, here's one truth. It's time for us to go. So may God bless you, each and every one of you, my friends, and your families. And thank you for being here today for Monday's edition of Post Nerdly's Rush Hour. God willing, we will be back tomorrow for Tuesdays. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.